Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Our church exists to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. For that reason, we want to take a moment and let you know about Growth Track. Growth Track is a three-week class designed to help you connect with us, discover who you are, and develop your leadership. Sign up for Growth Track and get more information at creekwoodchurch.com slash growthtrack or on our Creekwood Church app. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. Hi, Creekwood. Happy Mother's Day. It's so great to be with you. My name is Rachel. I'm the worship director here. So you may be used to seeing me sing on stage each week. But when I'm not working at Creekwood, I'm seeing clients at my counseling practice in Mansfield. I get the privilege of walking with hurting people through anxiety, depression, grief, marital struggles, and so much more. And part of my work with others is to help them uncover things that they can't see and bring them to light, bring them to the surface so that they can work on those things and do something about them. So it's fitting that I would be talking to you all about Blind Spots today, the series that we've been in for the last three weeks. And we've been defining blind spots this way. It's any area of brokenness that is obvious to others but is hidden to ourselves. We've discussed how we all have them. We all have these blind spots. How we need to be able to allow other people to speak into our lives about them. And last week, Pastor Brad covered how we can humbly and gracefully approach others and confront them in the people around us. So today I'm going to talk to you about a blind spot that I believe has the potential to perpetuate all other blind spots, that has the potential to keep us from hearing and receiving godly confrontation from other people and ultimately keeping us distant from God. Because I believe all of these things can happen when our blind spot is our own voice in our head. Now, I'm not talking about actual voices in your head. That is a subject for another day. But I want you to hear this quote from Paul Tripp. He's an author and theologian, and he says this. No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. It's a fact that you and I are in an endless conversation with ourselves In this inner discussion, we're always talking about God, life, others, and ourselves. And the things we say to ourselves are very important because they are formative of the things we desire, choose, say, and do. Self-talk matters. But don't take my word for it as a mental health professional. Let's see what the Bible tells us to do with this inner conversation. In Philippians 4.8, it says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. When your blind spot is the voice in your head, that voice has the potential to undermine the truth of what the Bible says to undermine the truth about what your godly friends say to you and about you and ultimately impact the truth about who God is and how much he loves and cares for you. 
Now more than ever, we've been left alone with our thoughts. Solitude, quiet, time at home has increased more than ever. And even though things are opening up a bit, maybe you've noticed that you've had a lot more time with your thoughts, that you've had a lot more time with reflection. But even before all of this happened, we each have a slew of thoughts that bombard us before we get out of the house in the morning. And it may look a little something like this. I wake up in the morning and catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror. Ugh! I look terrible. I'm glad no one else sees this, geez. I'm getting older, what am I gonna do about my skin? Shouldn't have had that ice cream last night. I need to lose weight. Okay. Today, I'm going to try really hard not to yell at my kids, and I'm going to be really nice to my husband because he's having a hard time at work. And even though I can't stand his moping around the house, I know he's trying. Why would God let this happen to us anyway? Does he even care how hard this has been? It hasn't been hard on the neighbors. They always look so happy and have all this money to do the fun things as a family. Why isn't God as nice to us as he is to them? This kind of self-talk doesn't discriminate. Men may find themselves waking up in the morning worrying about how they're going to provide for their family, how they're going to get their kid to college, how they're going to buy that dream home, maybe how to be a better spiritual leader, or maybe even wondering if their wife still finds them attractive. Some are waking up thinking about what they're going to do with their life. Do they have purpose? Are they going to meet someone? Will they ever get that job that they've always wanted? Others are constantly rehearsing questions about their faith, about God, about who he is, doubts they have. Is God really good if I'm in this place in my life? I even notice this kind of thought pattern in my own children. My nine-year-old will sometimes question if we love him or not when we tell him no. Now, this may sound kind of funny or silly to you, but I have no doubt that many of us have been in the same position when God doesn't do what we think he should, when he doesn't come through like we think he should, and we question whether he loves us or not. See, without much effort, we are capable of repeating the same damaging thoughts over and over in our mind, preaching a false gospel to ourselves. What do I mean by this? Well, gospel is defined as the teaching, revelation, and record of Jesus Christ. When we preach a true gospel, we are declaring and believing the truth about what God did for us through Jesus Christ the truth about who we belong to, who we are as Christ followers. We must be diligent in surrounding ourselves with honest voices, and this includes our own. And I'm not talking about the kind of positive thinking that disregards reality. I'm also not talking about the mantras that uplift self or remind us of how Uh, talented we are, how many abilities we have, because all of those things will eventually fail us. But there is nothing more stable, more true than the mental rehearsal 
or practice of God's word. Because the God of, our, of the universe is our father who knows and cares for us more than anything we've ever cared for in our life. And that's so hard to imagine sometimes. He is for you, but our blindness to the false gospel narrative, that voice in our head that contradicts his word can sabotage our relationship with him and others who want to see us set free. So what do we do when our blind spot is our own voice in our head? Well, first, I think we have to recognize the voice and how it impacts our view. And I think we can start with a simple prayer here. Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We begin by asking God to show us what we are blind to. God, test me, know me, help me to see what I can't see. What do my inner conversations reveal about what I think about you? What do they reveal about what I think about myself? What do they reveal about what I think about the world and other people? Now, this might mean you have to start keeping track of your thoughts just to bring awareness to what they actually are. Or maybe you even need to meet with a trusted friend where the goal is about coming together and saying these out loud. Because inner conversations can go unnoticed pretty easily, but their impact doesn't. Take this pattern of thinking. Let's say someone has a repeated voice that comes up every time something bad happens in their life. And maybe the voice says something like this. God is punishing me for what I did. This is what I deserve, and this is who God is. He will never forget. It's a quick statement. It's a serious one, but it's quick. And when it's said over and over, it can have lasting consequences. Not to mention, it goes completely against what the Bible says about our sin, about who God is, and what he does with that sin. But awareness, recognition of this voice is not enough. We not only want to recognize it, but we also want to ask, how is it changing my perspective on everything? Taking the example before, what could the perspective be of someone who thinks every time something bad happens, God is punishing me? A person who repeatedly sees their hardship as a punishment from God may view themselves as eternally bad. They may also view others who aren't going through hardship as being special or more loved by God than they are. They might even see the world as just a really unfair place that is always against them and God is the mean judge who rules it all. The inner conversation may go unnoticed, but the impact doesn't. And we can't afford to have this perspective long-term because it will ultimately corrupt our relationship with God. We must recognize that voice and take note of its influence so we can do the next thing. Once we recognize the voice and we see its impact, we have to take it captive and test it. Maybe you've heard the scripture before, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, 
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What's important to note about this passage of scripture that this actual verse belongs to is what comes before this scripture, the context in which Paul is speaking. Because right here, Paul is actually defending his ministry to the Corinthians. They're being overly critical of how he dresses, his appearance, and the manner and style of which he speaks. They don't think it's impressive enough. They're focused on the wrong thing. They're neglecting what is important, what matters. And how many times have we found ourselves in this moment? We're focused on the wrong thing. We're neglecting what matters most. And Paul is affirming that he's fighting this battle, this war, and the war that he's waging is not of physical nature, but of a spiritual one. And the Holy Spirit is helping him to confront wrong thinking in himself and others So it makes sense that he would go on to use a warlike or battle-like term like captive, taking every thought captive. He gets his point across in this way. And when we think of the word captive, you might think of a prisoner. So in this section of scripture, Christ is the captain of this war. The battle has been fought and won. Christ is the conqueror. So now everything and anything comes under his control. Everyone and everything is made captive or subject to his rule. In other words, all the plans of life, all the feelings and emotions of the heart should be controlled by him and led by him like a captive is led by a conqueror. So when we look at that scripture again, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, we are ultimately told to allow our thoughts to be led by Christ as if he is taken over as ruler of every part of our life. Our self-trust, our self-reliance, our sin, our philosophies, our ways of doing things, those are the things that have imprisoned us. And when we become a part of God's family, we're set free from them. And Christ will seek nothing less than our whole inner life, our whole pattern of thinking, our voice in our head being shaped and ruled by him. Romans 8, 6 says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. The Bible says when the Holy Spirit lives in us, we have the mind of Christ. Imagine how different our life can be when the voice in our head is led by Christ. But what does it actually look like to put this into practice day after day? I wanna talk about the application here. Romans 12, two says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. In counseling, I use this worksheet for uh, clients who struggle with anxiety and depression. It's based on a counseling theory that our thoughts, our feelings um, contribute to help determine our behavior. Sound familiar? See, God has known what science has been trying to prove for decades. 
And when they use this worksheet, it's called testing your thinking. They're trying to uncover uh, whether or not their thoughts have merit. And usually by the time they complete the worksheet, their anxiety has decreased or at the very least, uh, their perspective is expanded. So I want to share some of these questions with you today, and we're going to use them later. Here's some of the questions. What makes me think the thought is true? What makes me think the thought is not true or not completely true? What would I tell my friend if they were thinking this? What could happen if I changed my thinking? So for our purposes today, I made an adjusted version of this. And we're going to apply the example I I mentioned before. So let's say that we have the thought, when something goes wrong in my life, God is punishing me. First question we ask, what evidence do I have that my thought is true? Maybe a response to this would be something like this. I feel abandoned and unseen by God when things go wrong. Okay, question two. What does biblical evidence say about my thought? Well, I know that John 16.33 says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I know Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Okay. So what would I tell my friend if they expressed this thought? Maybe you might say something like this. I might tell them that bad things happen to all of us, but God is not punishing them. And even though he may feel far away, the Bible says he does not abandon us. Isn't it funny how much easier it is to give advice or encourage a friend who's going through something. But when it comes time for us to do that with ourselves, we do a really poor job. I mean, we would never speak to our friends and family the way that we speak to ourselves. Can you imagine telling one of your friends or your family members when they're going through a hard time, when they're suffering, I bet God's punishing you for that passive-aggressive post that you put on Facebook the other day. Also, you haven't been to church in a while, so you're probably in trouble with him for that too. We would have no friends and our family wouldn't speak to us. Yet we talk to ourselves that way all the time. And many times it goes unnoticed. But let's get back to our questions for now. This is the last one. What would it look like to take this thought captive? Maybe after examining all this evidence, taking this thought captive would look something like this. God is not punishing me. God loves and cares for me because his word says he does. He has been with me in other times of suffering and shown himself through the love of my friends, providing for my family and encouraging me. This process, acknowledging the voice in our head and its impact, taking it captive, and being led by Christ, it's something that we do over and over and over again. It is a practice that we get better at and that over time produces results. I was reminded of this process a couple of weeks ago. For some reason, I'm always extra aware of my inner thoughts, my inner discussion and conversation when I'm running. 
Maybe it has something to do with the pain, the difficulty breathing, um, or even asking myself why I'm doing this in the first place. But recently I started running again after recovering from an injury about a year ago. And it's really difficult to start over. Everything hurts all over again. Uh, The breath support just isn't there. And running for a few minutes feels like forever. So a great amount of self-talk had to happen for me to be able to do this because in my training, we came around to this time where it was time for a long run that had hills and I just hadn't run this far yet. So um, I had to say some things to myself and I had to look at the evidence and here was the evidence. I had to remind myself that I had done what was necessary to prepare. I've run this distance before and much longer. I wasn't alone. My running partner had been training with me and I thought if she could do it, I could do it. And so I spoke this to myself as I was running. And you know what? We did it. We ran. And as I was patting myself on the back for just this awesome self-talk that I did in this physically challenging moment. It was like God whispered to me something. And he said this, you just ran relying on yourself and your training. Imagine what could happen when you rely on my strength and remind yourself of what I can do. Just imagine what blind spots God can uncover when you're free from the voice in your head that says God is against you and only loves you under certain circumstances. Imagine how much more receptive you could be to the people in your life who care about you and want to speak into your life because they love you and want to see you grow. Imagine how much closer you could be to a God who you could finally see with clarity and truth. I wanna pray for us today that God would help us to reveal those inner conversations, that he would help us to take those thoughts captive and test them against what his word says. But I also wanna pray for those of you who may be watching And maybe you're still on the fence about following God. Maybe you still have lots of questions and lots of doubts. And maybe you're ready to make a decision. Maybe you're ready to surrender your life to God and stop trying to do things all on your own. You can make that decision right here and right now as we pray. And if you're not ready, you can reach out to us and we can walk you through that. But we want to pray for you today. We want to pray with you. Let's pray together. God, we are so thankful that you're with us. We are thankful for your word. We are thankful for the truth of who you are. God, help us to see the things that we can't see. Help us to recognize the voice in our head that would get in the way of knowing you, that would get in the way of hearing your voice, hearing the voice of others who care and love us. God, I pray that you would help reveal the conversations that keep us far from you. Reveal the lies and help us see truth. And God, I pray for those who are watching today. Maybe they've followed you before and they've been away or maybe they've never followed you and they're ready 
They're ready to surrender their life to a God who loves and cares for them. God, I pray for those today who are making that decision. I pray that you would lead them, that you would show them your love, that you would show them that you are their father that cares for them. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you have been encouraged by the ministry of Creekwood Church and would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at creekwoodchurch.com or on our Creekwood Church app. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.